Hi there. So, do you want to read Marco? You came to the right place. We're a brand new podcast centered on Korean entertainment, mainly manhwa, that might also have novel or drama sources and adaptations. For the past few years, comics as a medium have completely blown up internationally, and manhwa is no exception. With the advent of new print publishers like Eyes Press and Webtoon and other digital distributors aiming for a piece of the pie, we have more content than ever available internationally, so it feels like the perfect time to dive into this medium. My name is Marion, and I'll be your host, along with my friend Amber. What's up, Amber? Hey, everyone. <laughs> Nice. And, uh, yeah, um, I figured, uh, it's the right time. Uh, there's so much manhwa out there right now, and, like, everyone's, like, really enjoying it, and I don't have enough people to talk to about it, so I wanted to make a podcast about it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you could join me for this. I'm happy to be here. I have just, anytime I go to the bookstore, or even just, like, browsing digital books now, I see manhwa everywhere. I... I'm excited to see it grow as a medium and uncover so many stories that I wouldn't have had access to before. Good, good. Because I'm an omnivore and I've read so much. <laughs> I've like, I've been <laughs> like, uh, like neck deep in this since like, I guess since like pandemic started. Um, I guess we could talk about like how we got into uh, these kind of comics. But uh, yeah, like uh, I think it was like in the summer of uh, 2020 where I was like, I was furloughed from my old job. I was a, I was a server at a Japanese restaurant, which like, okay, if I wasn't furloughed, I would have probably by now been like an interpreter for like United Nations or some shit, but maybe not, <laughs> maybe, maybe not at that level, but like, I was like, I was doing shit. I was, uh, you were going places. I believe in you. You would have been a great, not a UN interpreter. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I honestly, I'm kind of tight, but it, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Instead, uh, in, in that downtime while I was looking for more jobs, I was like, I retreated into my whole reading manhwa and, um, and novels, a lot of light novels. And, uh, yeah, like I, I found out about, um, like official digital publishers like Tappy Toon, Tapas, Webtoon. And I was just like, all right, let's see what this is about. I saw, I saw that there were a lot of, um, I guess the equivalent of, of shoujo or like, or like comics aimed at girls. And I'm just like, oh yes, I'm in the mood for like some romanticy, some fantasy romance. And like, I think like. I love that you use that term all the time, romanticy. Yeah, I got it. I got it from Heidi, Heidi McDonald from, from Comics View. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, oh God, it, it's so, so good. It's like the perfect popcorn food for me. Um, and it, what's funny is that like, I think like 50% of them that I read were all like isekai adjacent where it's like, oh, it's uh, someone died uh, and went into like the world of a novel or an Atomic game <laughs> or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm eating this up. <laughs> I think actually, I think the first one I read was uh, something that's getting an anime adaptation right now. It's uh, why Ray Liana ended up at the Duke's Mansion. So I, I got to check that out because uh, I have it on my queue, but I just... I haven't had time. But, I haven't uh, checked that one out either, but I do think a lot of people are relating to isekai so much, at least in, like since the pandemic, just because life is hard enough and we'd lo all love to just like escape it and start over somewhere else. So true. Oh my God. <laughs> Especially when like, um, when you get into like our age and we're, you know, like working, not in school anymore. Yeah. And like half of them are just like, ah, oh, yes, the overworked, uh, salaryman or like, uh, office worker or secretary or whatever and, and they're just like 
yeah, life sucks. And then and then you get hit by a truck or whatever. <laughs> and just, oh no, not truck food. You're right. And you just end up in another world. Like yeah, sometimes you might need that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and and like it just from there, it just it just exploded. Uh, I feel because. I, I read a lot of acting stuff. Uh, one of the series we're going to talk about today is like, I think probably the biggest breakout hit we've seen. Uh, yeah, it's spoilers. It's solo leveling. <laughs> it's probably a new episode. <laughs> yeah. episode title. But uh, yeah, how did you get into Manwa, Amber? Yeah, so my first foray with Manwa is actually before I even got into manga because I didn't know any better. Oh. Um, so. Yeah, I, even though I'm a huge manga nerd, uh, my first book was actually manhwa for as far as reading Japanese or Korean comics. And that was actually Fairy's Landing that was published out by Tokyo Pop. Oh my god. <laughs> and yeah, it's so old now, but the at least in terms of like literary world, it's old. It's not really mm. that old, but um but they never finished publishing that series, and I'll never forgive Tokyo Pop for that, <laughs> or the author, I guess. But uh, there are many reasons for, to not forgive Tokyo Pop. That's just one of them. Yes, that's just one. <laughs> but so, I mean, at the time, I didn't know it was a manhwa. I didn't know the difference between these books. I was just getting into it in like middle school or something. Um, but after that, I didn't really know much about any sort of. Korean comics until the last like I want to say a couple of years I got a lot more invested into it and that's really thanks to like some really good targeted ads um, as well as a friend telling me about solo leveling at just like a random party one day he's like you have to read this you have to read it right now and I'm like I will get to it eventually <laughs> and I finally did um, but I I mostly have read a lot of matcha titles and then things that have been put out in physical print more recently Nice. Yeah, I mean, big ups to your friend. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I have also noticed a lot more, like, targeted ads, actually. Like, especially, like, on mobile. Um, yes. They, Instagram actually, has my number. <laughs> yeah, Instagram. Holy shit. I got so many, um, I got Tapas and Manta ads, which is really funny, because, like, I feel like all out of all of the ads I've seen, only, like, maybe three of them were actually series that I haven't already read. <laughs> Which is like maybe maybe yeah. I'm doing something right. <laughs> I'm reading all the ones that are getting well, that, That's exactly what happened to me. Is I got I saw an ad on Instagram from Monta for Under the Oak Tree, and I was just yes. blown away by the art. And I'm like, I have I have to see what this is about. And I'm like, oh well, it's a webcomic ad. I can at least just like test the sample for it. And then mm -hmm. I saw how cheap the subscription was, and like sold, and it's just been all like all in from there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I also that was I think that was the the first Monta title I read. It was yeah, the art is gorgeous. And uh I, I kept up with it because I really like the story and the characters. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably cover that in another episode, but yeah, I think uh yeah, <laughs> if you're if you haven't already started reading manhwa and you're into comics, like what are you doing? Is Exactly just, just jump in, it. just jump in. There there's so much out there. And um yeah, so this uh podcast uh we're, we're gonna put out episodes monthly well we're gonna aim for that and then um we're gonna probably go back and forth between like something named uh like male audience and female audience so like this is the first inaugural episode we're gonna do the biggest web comic out there and it's probably so like solo leveling is probably that right that's a uh, one of the biggest action comics i've seen so uh 
yeah, and, and then for the, our next episode, it's going to be uh, a business proposal, which is uh, of romance, not fantasy, <laughs> set in real life. <laughs> not fantasy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's about office workers. Um, we'll, we'll we'll discuss that later, but but yeah, I think uh, yeah, there's there's a really healthy variety of stuff to read out there, and we just want to want to talk more about it. And I'm sure a lot of you out there, probably like me, where you might not have people to talk about it with. So yeah, you can just, you can listen, listen to us chatting. Uh, you can, uh, you can talk to us. You can send us emails, whatever. We, we opened up an email and a Twitter and everything. If you have any suggestions or uh, any comments or whatever, just send them our way. We'll read them. We'll, maybe we'll talk about them. Depends. But yeah. Um, so I guess uh, we can just go right into solo leveling or how, uh, the YouTuber influencers go uh, solo leveling. <laughs> but yeah, what is solo leveling? Well, I just said it. It's an action slash fantasy uh, global sensation. Um, it centers on uh, Sung Jin Woo, who is uh, a hunter. Uh, he's an F-rank hunter, I think. Basically, there are people who awakened around the world after... The appearance of these like dimensional rifts called dungeons right and uh, pe- basically like people like awaken powers and they get like measured and uh evaluated to see like how strong they actually are and depending on uh like their power level or whatever uh they get approved to enter dungeons and fight monsters and basically like protect humanity sort of like uh you have to clear dungeons otherwise the monsters can like overflow and like invade the real world, so everyone is trying to prevent that. But uh, as as you'll see in the series, uh, there's a lot of uh, escalation when it comes to these monsters and like the the threat of um, of these like dungeon overflows just keeps expanding. And uh, yeah, uh, stuff happens. Uh, <laughs> Sun Jin Woo actually is. Uh, he's like weak or whatever uh he he's not really like um like successful at his job um but he has to do it to survive uh he doesn't have like a steady job um he's trying to provide for to to keep his mom like being treated at a hospital because she actually has something is it called like dungeon sickness or 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 whatever uh, the eternal slumber right eternal slumber so i think it was it's it was caused by like exposure to like mana or like energy from like these dungeons and and rifts and stuff and like other people around uh like exuding like this force or whatever and i I guess it made her sick and she's been in like a a, like a permanent coma basically and uh yeah he's just trying to trying to keep her alive uh his dad is nowhere to be seen it seems like he disappeared a long time ago And, and yeah he lives a pretty rough life for the most part but um Everything changes in the first chapter or first arc where he uh, enters a dungeon, which is like originally classified as like a low rank dungeon, but it's actually a double dungeon, which means that there's uh, there's there's like another dungeon inside, which like the difficulty completely ramps up and there's like they, they encounter like the, these ominous statues with like writings and stuff and like they have to basically solve a puzzle to, to escape or whatever. But it turns out that, like, um, it, it was really just a trap. Um, but uh, they end up escaping uh, 
he's like raiding with a, a group of people of other hunters, and there there are casualties. A lot of people die in this series. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot <laughs> no of no one is too. safe. Yeah, no one is safe except maybe the main character because of plot armor. But uh, but yeah, uh, something happens and he unlocks something which is like, it, it's it's like a system uh where it it's almost like like a UI that shows up and uh it shows him like uh like progression and he's the only one who's aware of this or like goes through this and uh he can level up basically and get stronger and uh it's it's because like he survived the the temple um is it called like the Cartanon temple or something yeah uh and he gets like a blessing from the evil god or whatever that was like threatening them and uh yeah so he does the one punch man routine which is like uh, like 100 push ups 100 setups uh run run 10k a day or whatever and uh his body automatically like purifies poisons and stuff so he can't even get drunk but uh yeah like he he ends up recovering um and becoming way stronger over time uh, like his body adjusts and like he gets beefier uh he was like such a scrawny little kid but then like <laughs> it's almost like a chatification <laughs> where he's just he he gets like stronger, more handsome, and everything, and everyone's like, "Hmm, who's this Sung Jin Woo guy? He he looks so." But he's now. still like in high school, and he looks like he's in his like late twenties. Right, he looks like a CEO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it, basically the story is just uh, seeing the progression of of Sung Jin Woo getting stronger, and uh, basically like getting embroiled in politics when it comes to. Like, I guess like hunter society and like the organizations and like other countries are involved as well like the US China like different like uh, S class hunters which is like the highest rank um, we get to see them over time and because like uh, Jin Wood isn't like immediately like super busted um, he gets to go like under the radar for a bit but things do catch up to him and like his strength becomes like too big to ignore like he's just that necessary uh to save and like protect korea from like this existential threat of monsters and uh yeah like i honestly going to like the next thing like what's the appeal one of the biggest appeals i think of solo leveling uh besides just like the artwork is amazing super detailed and uh easy to follow in my opinion like there's a lot of action series that might feel like clunky or cluttered or like the choreography is kind of sucks um, I'm looking at Tokyo Ghoul, <laughs> but, um, one of the biggest appeals besides the art is like, it's very, very simple, easy to follow. And it does the, the DPZ thing where it's just like, okay, we beat the bad guy next arc. We, we fight a stronger bad guy. And then like seeing like progressively as he levels up, like a tackling more powerful enemies and like, oh, how's he going to handle this one now? It's very entertaining. I feel like that stretch from like the first like hundred chapters, I think, before the uh, season one ends, is just like him gradually just like tackling like harder threats and like as he grows more confident and more um, more comfortable in like his own body and like uh, with his powers and stuff. Seeing how he uh, like tackles these threats is like so fun. I feel like it's really good. <laughs> I, I think, um, that, yeah, like, it, at some point it turns into him just, like, curb stomping people, but there's still the satisfaction of him having to put up a fight against, uh, 
like the I guess like the final bosses of each arc. And yeah, like I, I don't know. Uh that's what I enjoyed the most to be honest. Is there something that uh really appealed to you in particular? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to love about Soul Love. Like I once I finally got to reading it and then reading all of it uh, that is currently available, uh, it became clear to me that it's so much more than just the gorgeous art that already is. I think like seeing some uh, Hunter Sung like in his element, starting as just a classy hunter, which by the way, classy hunters are just they're barely above a normal person like right. they can use maybe a tiny fraction of mana but they're like a normal person practically yeah and just so like yeah like seeing that transformation of him i get that it, like it follows kind of like a similar trope to a lot of like japanese shonens where you have to just keep like fighting a harder and harder boss until you get strong enough to be the best or whatever mm-hmm. but at the same time there's so much that happens that is surprising that it doesn't quite follow that storyline at the same time. Like, for example, there'll be parts where you'll you'll expect him to like have a hard time and fail, and he'll just walk up with his newfound confidence and decimate this, yeah. this villain. And you're like, well, that was a short boss fight, but I'm here for it. Yeah. And like, there's there's plenty of moments like that throughout the series that just surprise you, and characters that you wouldn't quite expect to be the way that they are. It will also take you by surprise throughout the whole story. Um, I think that it's very well told and incredibly well illustrated. And that's mm-hmm. very much a, a kudos to Dubo or Red Ice Studio. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like also there's, there's a lot of like emotional intelligence in, in the writing uh, when it comes to like how he interacts with people. Like, yeah, t- uh, to start with, like he's like, he's very vulnerable, uh, very weak and like, taken advantage of all the time just because he's so weak um but then like as he gets stronger he gets more stoic and like yeah it, that can be a little boring but also like he treats people um he has this thing where like i feel like a lot of main characters in like action manhwa either like become like really like they're like super assholes or, or like they're just like tied up in like uh revenge stories and stuff but um what he does is like he he takes the the approach of like, oh, an eye for an eye, two for two. So people who, who treat him like shit, he'll treat them like shit backwards. And that's really satisfying. But then like for people who treat him with kindness and respect, like he does the same. Um, like there's, uh, I forgot her name, but uh, the girl who was the healer who was with him in the first dungeon, um, she gets like traumatized. She has like PTSD over the event and like she can't go into dungeon raids anymore, even though she's like a like highly valued um like a healer like that that's something that's like every party needs uh but she can't do it anymore because she's just so messed up by what happened like seeing all those people die and um just like not being able to to like save everyone else and like or she didn't have like the power to stand up for herself either um but uh when jin Wu gets to see her or whatever he he tell he like reassures her like oh you did nothing wrong like you did everything right um it's not your fault that those people died stuff like that just happens that's just how messed up the world is right now and like yeah like that's that's good people in those situations need to hear that kind of stuff and like the chairman of the hunter association that's also like a really good relationship that i like um he's like this uh older man who's he's been embroiled in like those uh those hunter politics for a long time but uh seeing jin Wu is like a like a breath of fresh air because 
he's so unaccustomed to it and like just he's just vibing he's doing his thing and uh chairman gun he is go gun he i think his name he's, he's just like yeah. yeah kid you do you okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna cover for you because <laughs> we need uh we need this uh new blood to like shake things up and stuff and uh jin was like you got it boss <laughs> and like yeah I, I love that it's i think it's really smart in the way that uh the character relationships are here yeah, I agree. I really think, um, like, the relationship you mentioned with, I think it was Juhi. Yeah, Juhi. Juhi, at yeah. The, at the beginning with her, like, the kind of PTSD reaction she has to the double dungeon. It, it's such an important way that they handle that, that I think it's very well done. And I would also add um, some other things that come up later in this the series that are spoilery. Um, like, his relationship with his father, how that pans out, as well mm-hmm. as... A, a story from the epilogue involving a girl that commits suicide. How those yeah. are, handled is, are are very well done to me. Yeah, agreed for sure. Um, so yeah, it's so lovely and good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, it blew up for a reason. <laughs> There's and, and, a reason it's a worldwide phenomena. There's a reason why whenever someone talks about manhwa, that's one of the first things that people it rolls off the tongue is because you just you just equate it with it now it's so right? well known so popular and for a good reason yeah it's, it's a look first things first as a short snappy title the artwork is amazing um i think that's really all you need for for like um <laughs> for like uh i think like mainstream success like uh something that's like very easy to, to digest uh but besides that like we said like there's all these other good points to it and uh, yeah, it holds up. I feel like the best thing about it is like the pacing. Yes. These arcs are not like super long and, and like like protracted. Like they don't they don't last longer than they need to. And like yeah, they might be formulaic at some point. It's just like oh yeah, new area, fight, 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 then boss fight, and then like okay, uh, in between arcs is like the One Piece thing where it's just like oh we see what's going on around the world and shit like that. But then like yeah yeah, and then uh, it repeats. But you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, the major hmm? breaks in solo leveling are when it talks more about the political aspects of the whole system with the guild or learning how to use the, the physical like HUD system that uh, Jinwoo has to use or mm-hmm. understanding the giant gate that might destroy the entire world, you know, things like that. Yeah, all the world building stuff is what happens in between, which is like, yeah, people love that. Um, and having it in like in in part in like little spurts in between i think that's the best way to to keep your audience engaged because you're not like completely lore dumping everything and having like just monologues and monologues of, of like and this is what happened in the world in the year five years ago and then this is how this affected this part of the uh of the country and this stuff and i'm just like mm, that that shit is so dry instead solo leveling does a, a lot of show don't tell uh and it worked for that. And uh, yeah, I think. Uh, oh, we should really we should have talked a little bit about uh, uh, the people behind it. So originally, uh, Solo Leveling was a, a web novel by the author Chu Gong, and the comic version is uh, done by Dubu at Redie Studio, uh, which is a uh, they're they're known for a lot of um, action series. Uh, you might have heard something like uh, I'm the Max Level Newbie or the Worn and Torn Newbie, 
those are both action. Uh, one of them is like fantasy. The other is like a kind of like an MMORPG one. Uh, yeah, it's cool stuff. And uh, <laughs> that makes this one very much like a hybrid of the two in a way. Yeah, kinda, because it has the system and then the 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 fantasy shit. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, last year in uh, July 2022, the artist uh, suffered from a cerebral hemorrhage and uh, passed away. It was really sad. I remember when the news broke and everyone was just like completely shocked because um, I think they were still pretty young. Like they were they were still like at the peak of their career. And then for that to happen, it was just very tragic. I think that was also right around the same time that they announced that the anime was happening as well. Yeah, so that was just like at the peak of like solo leveling fever. Uh, it's very unfortunate, um, but I do I do remember like there's like a message put out by the studio, and like I think there were like tribute artworks made uh, by other artists. I think uh, I might have to look for that and maybe we can link it. But uh, but yeah, and then um, the adaptation of the story into comic form is done by someone named H Goon. And uh, in English, right now, all the chapters available digitally are available in English on on Tabby Tune, Tapas, uh, Pocket Comics, maybe another another publisher too, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. And uh, it's also available in print by Eyes Press, which is uh, an imprint of Yen Press, uh, who publishes a lot of manga and light novels. So this is like their their venture into Korean territory, which is really exciting. And yeah, volumes one through six cover around the first ninety seven chapters, which is uh actually doesn't season one end like chapter hundred or hundred something? Somewhere around that, yeah. Yeah, so like that's perfect for getting into like the first half of the story. It's only yeah, six the, books. The end of volume six is when they first get to uh, Jeju Island. So oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good point for that cutoff right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Chimera Antar for you, Hunter Hunter fans. <laughs> um, yeah, and it seems that the seventh volume is due for release in August. And uh, Yen Press also releases the novel uh, through their imprint called Yen On. And I do know that they also have audiobooks for that. Um, they should be available. I know that they're on Bookwalker, but they they should also be on like Audible and. Um, I guess like Google Play and uh, iTunes. So if you're into audiobooks too, you can you can listen to the novel. I forgot who was the narrator, but I do believe it's a Korean American too, which is pretty cool. Um, oh yeah, and as we mentioned, there's an anime coming out next year in 2024. Uh, I believe the studio is A1 Pictures, and uh, Crunchyroll is one of the major uh, sponsors on the committee. Uh, we've gotten two teaser trailers so far. Um, and everyone's excited. This is the one series where everyone's like, this needs to be animated. This has to be, like, <laughs> the first, like, big, uh, manhwa anime, and which is, like, it still has the chance for that, because, uh, we got Tower of God and God of High School, and, uh, people did not really like those adaptations, because they were, like, super <laughs> A lot of stuff writing on this. Well, hopefully it's, it's good. It's successful. It might be I mean, successful, even if it's not. Have, both of the teasers have looked amazing for it so far. I think I only saw the first one, so I gotta I gotta see the second one. But uh, I mean, this is I think this is good. Uh, the fact that it was announced, I think like last year, and there's still like an, another year for production to to carry on is is a good sign. 
Um, I've seen a lot of a lot of dumpster fires happen. Uh, the Japanese side of anime, like freaking uh, One Punch Man season two, it was like announced six months before it aired, and like I think the the first trailer came out like maybe a couple weeks before the first episode came out. And it was just, oh, God. When, when you see stuff like that, that's how you know that there's a lot of problems going on on the production side in terms of, like, management and, like, uh, making sure everything is, like, getting produced. <laughs> like, uh, like, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it's messy. But um, this is a good sign, in my opinion. Uh, the fact that we still have, like, a, a, whole, a whole year ahead of us. And uh, there's also... A mobile game that was announced and uh yeah it's called solo leveling of rise uh there was actually a press release in march um the developer is going to be a company named netmarble and uh yeah they, they seem to be a mobile game publisher and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like a like a faithful reproduction of the original webtoon series and it's going to have uh i guess like a story mode and, but it's also like an action rpg um, I'm I'm assuming like what they're going for is like a like a Final Fantasy VII remake type of uh, like dynamic combat in term of in terms of like like three D gameplay and like there's like RPG elements but the action is in real time and yeah they're they're gonna it looks like they're planning on having a lot of the main characters like Jinwoo, Chahei, Jinwoo's friend, uh, uh, Jinho, and probably more. Um, I saw on their website, the official website they had, um, they had uh, they had some stills from the game and development, and they showed that one like snake boss from the very first uh, dungeon that he went into after the the double dungeon in in like the subway, where he got like the snake spam uh, dagger or whatever. I forget what it was called. Um, I think it, the, the snake started with like a K or something. But, uh, but yeah, that lo- it looks really exciting. Um, the art style reminds me of uh, Genshin Impact. It's kind of sh- like sh- uh, cell shaded. And uh, yeah, I mean, I play mobile games. I'm, I'm probably gonna play this too. <laughs> uh, it definitely looks like one that I'll pick up. I yeah. I just I can only imagine having to build myself a shadow army, and I'm I'm sold. Yeah, yeah, and I guess we could we could talk about uh, Jim's powers. So like. Eventually, um, once he reaches like level fifty, I think he goes through like a class change quest, and uh, it's like a challenge where he has to survive for a certain amount of time, or like defeat all the enemies, and he gets bonus rewards depending on his performance. And like, because he completely exceeds expectations of the system, he gets like he gets his job change with like uh, like a, like an extra perk, like he's he's like a rank above what he's normally supposed to be or whatever. And uh, what what else is uh, he supposed to be if he's if he's gonna be a, a solo leveler if not a necromancer? And uh, yeah, like he, he gets to like revive uh, like monsters and people that he, that he kills with uh, like shadow powers basically. And like he just he, he makes his own party full of like these shadow creatures and stuff to tackle all these dungeons. It's, it's really cool. I think um, the way that they draw. Um, the shadows are so cool, and I love the fact that they change the hue. Like it's yeah, it's like a black shadow, but they also have like colors like like a dark blue, or later on when he gets even stronger, they turn like purple. 
and like it's just you know, it looks so sick i love it and they look like flames but they're black and like it, I, my inner um eighth grade edgelord is like in love with this shit <laughs> Well, not only like just the the effects of the shadows, but how it also translates onto Jinwoo as well. So like on his twin daggers that he carries uh, through much of the series, the the mana and the shadows come off of those as well. And it creates this kind of like gorgeous effect along the side of them. And it just it really highlights the, the sheen of the metal. And mm-hmm. then one of the the very like key images throughout the series and it's even like on the title card of the anime and the first like image you see from like any of the promotional art from the manhwa is this kind of like shadowed look from his eye as well yeah and i really like how um the detail on like his eyes or whatever um change and like at some point like they become like they have like the silver glow but then um when it changes to like purple also uh when he like ranks up or whatever it also looks really cool and i it has like this intimidation factor but it's also just like half the time i think it's just pure aesthetic i love the glow factor on it it reminds me so much of on fire force the way that like the reflective glow from their jackets mm. it's that same kind of hue to it yeah or even just like when you see like in a, a random action anime sometimes where it's like someone's in the zone and like there, uh, there's like these trails of light following their eyes, almost like the, like the Akira bike um, when it's like moving, and, and you see like the trails of light and shit. I love that. Well, and it also like it calls so much more attention to where Jin Woo or whichever other hunter is being featured, where their gaze lies, and what is really the focus of the conversation, and their their tone is like projected in it as well. Yeah, that's true. Because everyone has like some level of like aura. Like, at some point, uh, like, uh, the hunters that we see, as everyone just gets stronger and stronger, and, like, the monsters also get stronger, you know, we're just introduced to, like, these super powerhouse characters, and they all have, like, their own presence, and, um, like, the way that they carry themselves and stuff. It's really, it's reflected in, like, the, the body language, and also the way that they, like, wield their power, like, the mana and, like, the energy coming out of them and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Uh... Yeah, um, we talked about how the Jeju Island raid is, like, basically the end of the first half. Basically, uh, there, there's two seasons, quote-unquote, uh, which is what a lot of manhwa use uh, in terms of, like, breaking up, I guess, like, parts of the manga or the, the comic. So, like, after, like, this story arc that, like, leads up to, like, a climax and, like, a, like a change in the climate of the story, uh, they take a break and they come back. And uh, yeah, that's that, that's where I think most of the 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 nitty gritty of like the the world building and the lore kicks in because we start getting answers for um, like why did uh, Jinwoo uh, acquire like the system and uh, become like a, like this necromancer with like super strong powers and shit and like why why him um, I, I guess. We could probably ease yeah. into like the spoiler territory. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just diving right into spoiler zone here now. Um, I would agree that the Deju raid is like the big turning point for the story. Um, at the beginning, like it's all about him figuring out how to survive in the system and to progressively level himself up to not be a weak hunter anymore and go from a class E to being a reawakened no cap 
break S. And then <laughs> when it comes time to do the Jeju raid, he's got so many other things going on in his life, um, whether it's with his mom or his sister. But he's acquired some shadows at that point, and he's feeling confident. But he's not signed up to go to the Jeju raid. There's other national uh, hunters that are signed up to appear there. Mm-hmm. And... But he still ends up going because it's going horribly wrong (laughs) and he knows that he can solve it. And turns out that there's this really powerful shadow, as expected, at the Jeju Island raid that we come to know as Beiru, or later in the series, that becomes one of the shadow soldiers. And But that that whole scene is just a, a huge kickoff for all the intense politics on a global scale of the hunter system. Yeah, it's like the real, int- the first real introduction of like international hunters, um, because Jeju Island is like so close to Japan, and this leads to like oh the the threat of like these monsters in Jeju Island. Uh, Japan has to step in also just to make sure that um, these monsters don't cross the sea and come over and like invade Japan and stuff. So uh, that's where we well, start getting the, the politics. And also the the fact that uh, the the Japanese hunter Goto Ryuji is like trying to become a national level hunter, and yeah. in order to become a national level hunter, you have to participate in like an international scale raid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, oh man, Ryuji, Ryuji, um, his like, oh man, when he gets introduced, it, it's like, oh, all these Japanese hunters, they look so badass and cool and shit, and then uh. But then we, we see, like, oh, some of them are pretty arrogant. And, like, they might be a little stuck up. Or, like, I was going to say racist, but, like, they're not, like, overtly racist. But um, I, I've, I've noticed that, like, a bunch, of, a bunch of these comics, whenever it comes to, like, international relations, Japan is kind of shitty sometimes in terms of, like, how they treat um, Koreans. That so, character definitely was a, a very condescending style character. Yeah. But then it's you know what half the time I feel like they do it just for moments like these when uh, when he finally meets uh, Jin Wu and Jin Wu puts him in his place it's just like yeah you had that coming <laughs> and well, it makes and it satisfying it but also a, like yeah it went from being like a friendly match to becoming a it, it pops up the system message pops up in front of Jin Wu and is like there's an intent to kill you it's yeah. no longer a friendly match yeah and uh. Knowing knowing Jin Wu, like he's been facing death this whole series, and uh, when it comes to some, something like that, he's not one to take that lying down. And yeah, of course he's going to retaliate, whether that spells uh, good or bad for like the Korean hunters. Uh, he's just like at this point, he's still just like looking out for himself. He's not really involved or invested, I think, in like Korea as a whole, um, even though. Like, he's, he's getting strong enough now to the point where he's becoming the face of the country. But not quite, because people don't really know who he is like that. But after this arc, basically, that's where uh, everyone, like, learns, like, oh, yeah, this is the guy who was, like, basically saved the, the raid from being a failure. Like, there were so many casualties on both sides from, the, like, the Japanese and the, the Korean hunters. To the point where, like, um, several S class, uh, yeah, S rank uh, hunters, class S. yeah, or class S uh, hunters were like, um, they were casualties and stuff. Even like this one, like very, like a top tier healer or whatever, um, 
was like very close with everyone. Uh, he ended up dying, and Jinwoo even like brought him back um, temporarily to like save uh, some of the survivors, like like Cha Hae Yeah, I mean, this is the the first introduction to him being able to revive a release a recently deceased person, but as a shadow in his army, and so that that's a new skill that he acquires in the JJ raid that becomes important throughout the series as well. Yeah. And it's like it opens up like a moral quandary where it's just like, is it right to um to revive people, uh, to make them into your shadow soldiers? Like up to this point he's only revived monsters. Uh and like commanding monsters to kill other monsters, yeah that's fine. But then like uh we learned that um because I forgot his name, I'm so sorry. But uh the S rank healer, like he, um, he still had his like his his intelligence and he could like speak and stuff, um, and he he brought up that like he was afraid of the fact that like yeah he was brought back but he what he felt was like like uh like unbridled loyalty and like uh like a, a feeling of wanting to serve his master for being brought back and stuff and like every person that uh, Jin Wu would like revive like that will have to go through that. And, like, is that the right thing to do? Like, at that point, like, that's, like, uh, completely erasing free will. Um, like, you could just kill someone and bring them back against their will. And, like, they'll, they'll just have to serve you for the rest uh, of their existence. Like, that's kind of crazy. And I think that goes back to something that we were talking about earlier about the the kind of empathy and compassion that Jin Wu embodies is that he understands that certain people aren't meant for that in his shadow army. Like he releases that healer back into the afterlife at, after another healer, or another hunter talks to him and says like, let him move on in peace with his life. And the same thing happens later on in the series with other characters that he revives as well. But then other people that have wronged him, um, for example, a, a hunter that seeks revenge on him at that point, like, no, you're a shadow soldier and that's what you get. Oh yeah. Don't suck. Uh, that was crazy because uh, there was a build up to that um, back to um, I would say like around like chapter 30 ish where um, he was like still under under the radar and doing dungeon raids like solo and just like joining as like a, like a miner or excavator to, to bring out like mana stones and stuff. Um, that was how he met his friend Jinho. There were like like a group led by like this really big scammer who would uh, bring in newbies and kill them and like take the spoils of the raid. Um, and he was the older brother of this S rank Korean who ended up defecting to America, uh, which his name was uh, I think it was Hwang Dong Suk. And yeah, he's just like a mega asshole. They're both the brothers are two peas in the pod, super evil basically, or not evil, but like they just suck. <laughs> And um, when when Jin Woo goes to America, uh, Dong Suk like is aware, and he's just like, "Oh, you're the guy who killed my brother," uh, or like on paper, like it was an accident, but like it was definitely you because you're the you're the one survivor. It was it was you who did it. And then um, he he like retaliates by kidnapping Jin Ho and like torturing him and threatening him. And, uh, and Jin Woo's like, "Yeah, I'm not having that." You're gonna die, and he dies, and he gets brought back as a what's his, what was the name? He came up with like a uh, like I, a shadow name I, for him. I can't quite remember, but I know it was comical. It was just yeah. kind of like something really generic. It's just like a one word, like 
like a generic like tank or something not tank tank yeah like it, it wasn't even like an actual name it was just more of like a position like a position or an object or something yeah <laughs> like at one point he he starts like accumulating some shadows and he's like you know what you're gonna be number one you're gonna be number two <laughs> yeah yeah i think the only one who got like a, a real name was egress and then everyone else is just like uh there was the orc named tusk uh there was the this like horned bear or some shit named uh tank and then the yeah i, I don't know it's, it's, it's silly uh there's comedy in the series like the th- yeah like the three strongest shadow soldiers the the commanders or generals so to speak um they all have like official names that you hear all the time like bellion ignis and beru but the other ones are all just like throwaway craziness that he just like needs to give them a name because the system tells him to right but then there's also um like some you said are comical and then i think the the dragon that they brought back as well was had a name but i can't remember that at the moment is it like cashiel or something i think it was like yeah it's like uh he revived a wyvern and he named it uh kaiso and it's like uh it's a giant wyvern it, it's like it's not a dragon because dragons have like wings and uh, four legs yeah. or whatever. But um, yeah, I think he got it from the this one dungeon where it was like the the demon the demon king's tower, uh, which was I think it was the arc right before. But um, yeah, it's he acquired him like uh, from the demon lord's tower, which was like a dungeon right before Jeju Island, and uh, yeah, it becomes his like major or primary form of transport after. <laughs> I mean, it's convenient, although his, uh, his shadow transfer or transport, I can't remember the exact word he uses, becomes extremely helpful, especially as he levels up even further. Yeah, because I think the, the cooldown is like, depending on the level, it, it starts at like every th- three hours or something. Yeah. And then it just it eventually gets stronger. Uh, yeah, that's a thing. Uh, transport or taking the place of where one of your shadows is like that's broken as hell i love that it's such a cool ability and um he can also like assign the shadow soldiers to protect the people he cares about so they'll like hide in uh another person's shadow like his little sister or um maybe the chairman and stuff like that and uh and they might somebody might see like a little ripple in their shadow as they're walking by (laughs) yeah Uh, that's really cool Oh, and, uh, yeah, one of the major reasons, you know, for uh, Jin Wu to continue getting stronger or whatever was finding a way to cure his mom. And he actually gets that thanks to the system. Um, I forget how it led up into it, but basically he got, like, an elixir, I think, or, like, some kind of concoction made from, like, the materials of uh, these things that he got from the dungeons he conquered. And he got that to, basically, it, it cured his mom. And uh, she woke up from her coma, and it was actually, like, very heartwarming. It was a very sweet moment, and something that I felt was, like, sorely needed at that point of the story. Because at that point, um, it was just where we were just getting a lot of, like, oh, yeah, Jin was super badass, and he's just, like, the most stoic guy ever. And, like, yeah, but we got to remember that he's still here. Um, Like, no matter how, like, abnormal his powers are, and, like, how much he stands out, um, like, there's still a person underneath all that. Yeah, I thought it was important that he also used that on Jinho's father later in the series. Um, he t- and he specifically tells him that he doesn't have a cure, he can't fix his pending internal eternal slumber, 
then as a birthday present to Jin Ho, he does it because he sees that his friend is just distraught over it and he'll do what he takes to to be there for his friend. Yeah. I like that too. Cause it, it's such a, it's a good fake out. Cause um, usually they reserve moments and stories like that for something maybe not at that level of stakes. Like when it comes to like, uh, like the actual life of another person, usually we wouldn't get that like, uh, will he, won't he, or whatever. Like, it'll just be straight up like, oh, yeah, or no, I won't help. But uh, having him go get back on that and uh, just help him out anyway after seeing Jin Ho is like, that was very nice. Um, so moving into some of the more like technical aspects of the series, one thing that we we learn about is where the system comes from. And so at one point, Jin Wu ends up going back to Kartanon Temple. He's summoned there from a quest from the system. And the architect tests him in the double, the double dungeon. <laughs> and turns out that the architect is the one who built the system. But he's not in control of the system anymore. It's, it's something he created and is beyond his power at that, later on. Yeah, at some point... Um... Yeah, I think when, when Jin Wu, like, interacts with him and stuff, and we actually find out that uh, the source of his powers is actually the, the Shadow Monarch. And there's this whole thing with, like, monarchs and, uh, I forgot what the other faction is called. The, but the rulers. The rulers. Monarch rulers. This is the same shit. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, Different words for kings. Yeah, right, um. But we find out that Jinwoo was actually selected or like chosen by the the original Shadow Monarch um, due to his like tenacity and like his outlook on life. Um, basically, like he was some, some, somewhat of like a similar temperament to the original Shadow Monarch, and he's just like, you know what? I think you're the right guy. I'm gonna give you my heart, basically. And uh, yeah, it's like a, it's like a mana heart or something. Uh, basically, the source of like his powers um and the reason that the the system was built or like put into place was so that jinwoo could actually develop those powers and grow into it instead of like uh like i don't know like completely destroying his body immediately because under the like the stress of like he can't handle all this like immediately and honestly yeah like when i first saw that i'm like that's kind of convoluted but i i understand it I didn't think it was, like, bad or anything. I just thought it was, like, I don't know. But uh, I think I made peace with it. I'm like, you know what? This is fine. Um, it felt, like, a little clunky in the moment when I was reading it weekly. But then I'm like, you know what? This is fine. It's whatever. I like that um, a lot of... Uh, okay, jumping way further. <laughs> At some point, like, after Jim completely unlocks all the, the Shadow Monarch's powers, and he gets to, like, recall the original army that uh, went up against the, the rulers and like they, they have their memories of their of their first monarch or whatever but then like uh, they see like traces of, of him inside Jinwoo and I'm like oh this is really badass I like that <laughs> yeah I mean the whole feud between the monarchs and the rulers it when I first started uncovering that through reading it was a little confusing and then as I kept reading it I realized it was meant to be confusing because mm -hmm. like for Jin Wu, it was supposed to be confusing. He didn't know which side he belonged to. 
And he had to figure that out and figure the system out and where his place was throughout it. And so the confusion for the reader was also because of the confusion for Jinwu, and it seemed very intentional at that point. And once it's all revealed, it's no longer confusing. Yeah, it's like it's meant to disorient the, the reader. Uh, yeah, and then uh, so like the rulers are basically these entities that uh, you can think of them like angels or like beings like close to God or like the creator of the universe. And the monarchs are kind of like rebels, I guess. Like they, I think at some point they, they like disagreed with the way that uh, stuff was being handled. And they're like, no, fuck this. Uh, we're going to do our own thing. And uh, well, that was my understanding of it when I read it uh, a while ago. I should have reread it, but I did not because I thought it would be cooler <laughs> to have someone who's like uh, caught up like recently and then for me to like rip off that. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, like the, basically they're like feuding and the the shadow monarch um he kind of rebelled against the, the monarchs uh but he also was like fuck the rulers too <laughs> he, he was just like a like a rogue yeah he was just a, like a rogue and he ended up um defecting and like it was uh it was a very long flashback but seeing the way that like he completely like influenced the tide of the battle once he showed up because of his powers of like yeah like after he killed all those uh all these like angels and, and demons and shit and all these different armies uh he just revived them and added them to his uh, his own shadow army like that was crazy and it's just like this is like one of the most broken powers ever <laughs> well they also made it clear um very clear that the the power of the monarchs and the rulers is so far above just regular s-class hunters which are like the strongest hunters that exist um they did that by showing a just an immediate brutal murder of the uh, american national hero christopher reed the the rulers showed up and just destroyed him yeah and and then, yeah didn't he have like a fragment of one of the rulers yes he did yeah so he was like partially he, he had like a partial piece of, of power of the one of the rulers was it like the fragment of brilliant light or something uh yes yeah so uh in order to see uh how actually powerful these beings are like we got to see how someone who's supposed to be like a subordinate just gets completely washed and i think it's also important to discuss how uh jinwoo's father actually comes back into this um so after being gone for much of jinwoo's life he reappears in the story and turns out He's been with the rulers the whole time. Um, so in that, he realizes that his son is a target, but then the the most brilliant light decides, no, you need to protect him. And Jinwoo's father is like, no, everything in Korea that's going on, this is my area. Don't you dare touch it. Yeah. And the way that he comes back into his life it's you'd think that Jinwoo would have all this anger and hatred from his father, like seemingly abandoning them throughout their life or just disappearing. But the way that he just kind of melts away and accepts that what the role that his father fell into because of what he knows and what he's been through in the past, like few months that happens in this comic. Um, it's, it's very cathartic and, and rewarding. Yeah. I think it's handled really well, especially cause like, 
you both, I mean, you, you know that both have gone through, like, so much. And, like, the fact that um, when Jinwoo's father shows up, he's, like, taken into custody and treated almost like a, like a specimen or whatever. And uh, because of, like, the, the circumstances, Jinwoo's also treated like a potential traitor to humanity. And instead of just, like, kind of lashing out at his father for that, he's just like, nah, man, I know, I know what politics is like. This is fucked up. You've been through some shit, and I've also been through some shit. <laughs> he gets it. Yeah. Like, yeah, Dad, I grew up. I get it. <laughs> I, I, I respect that a lot, because I feel like it's so easy to cop out and, like, just go, go the route of, like, oh, for more emotional catharsis. It's just, like, have the have like a screaming match or you know like uh people just completely yell out all their emotions or whatever and like yeah this is not that kind of comic uh even if it's like it takes a lot of um like tropes and like other um other i guess like writing habits from like other like action series like it still manages to to mold itself into its own identity is there something else you want to talk about the plot, or do you want to jump into, like, a blog? Well, I mean, most of the, the plot points that are really important we've talked about, I think it is important to also talk about the, the current epilogue chapters and some of the things that are uncovered in that, as well as how we feel about the ending of the, the main story before oh, the yeah. epilogue. Because uh, oh. that's a choice. <laughs> that is true. Oh, yeah. So, at the end of the main story, Jinwoo decides to basically all right go back in time before this whole dungeon business this whole dimensional rift all these things with the rulers and the monarchs like fucking up earth yeah Let's... he he uses the the cup of reincarnation from the most brilliant light mm -hmm. basically hit the big old reset because uh world is fucked up right now <laughs> the world needs healing and the way to do that it's just, uh, let's just do some things over. And he chooses to go back. Um, he retains all his memories, but no one else remembers uh, that timeline, basically. And, like, what he did to save everyone. And, like, the, the way that he protected Earth and, like, saved all these different people from different countries, from different outbreaks. Um, all this influence that he got from wielding his power for, for the sake of others. And he decides, I'm just going to do this again, but from the shadows, where I, where I always was. And uh, I'm going to do this, like, outside of the, uh, I guess, outside of, like, watching eyes and, like, just take care of things so that other people can just live on with their lives. And, uh, yeah, it was an ending. I feel like it was very, um, when, when people first read it, they're like, oh, what the fuck? This is not what I expected. I th I was waiting for, like badass Sun Jin Woo to like finally get the girl and like uh, live it up and like everyone loves him and everything and it's just like nope I'm I will just... say if mm. it wasn't for the epilogue chapters I would have been very upset with that ending I'll tell you this like I read the web novel um, I read through like a really shitty like google translation because <laughs> the web novel was free and I was just like I want to see what happens and like uh, when I read the ending, I'm like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> then I was like, oh, there are epilogue chapters? Yeah, I don't, this kind of soured my mood. I, I kind of don't want to read more. Because <laughs> I felt like 
Um, for the longest time, like after, at what point of the story was? It? I think it was like right after, where he meets Juhi in like chapter like forty or, or thirty or whatever. Like after the the assassin incident, and like, it, it's like decided that like oh yeah, he's, she's not gonna be a love interest or whatever. That uh, Jinwoo is in the comic is kind of like portrayed as like oh yeah, he's the stone cold badass. He is like a man's man. He is the the kind of character that the people who read Berserk and call it like a manime, he's like a character aimed at those people, where it's just like um, the people who are like, they watch Fight Club and they completely miss the point. <laughs> I haven't heard that term manime before, but I, I love it. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he's supposed to be like, um, like the ultimate like badass self-insert. Yeah, it's just like a self-insert. Like It's like a power fantasy basically and then uh this ending completely shits on that because the whole point of a power fantasy is in my opinion uh to just like like yeah it's like a self-insert and you're supposed to to feel like elated because oh yeah this character is doing everything that i couldn't and uh i'm getting like a vicarious enjoyment out of it basically and because uh jin Wu doesn't get that kind of like outward like affirmation from other people in that ending it just completely shat all over that and for that reason i respect it but also it's just like come on you built the whole story up in a certain way and then you just pull the rug destroy yeah they completely destroyed everything that you had read essentially all the relationships that had been built, all of the the levels he had acquired, all of his shadow soldiers gone. Nobody remembers him. Nobody knows everything that he's done for the world. And the only people that ever will are the rulers that still exist or some of the monarchs or things like that. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, not even the monarchs because he goes back and finds the monarchs. Yeah, people um, are, like outside the influence of like, time and shit. Yeah. So just the rulers and not, not the hunters that have a piece of the rulers in them but just the like the high tier rulers they're the only ones that know what happened and they're not even on the regular plane of earth Mm -hmm. and so just rewriting that whole story from being a child and he's now also immortal and can fluctuate his age based on what people want him to look like at that time it's insane yeah (laughs) it's crazy (laughs) i was just like what the fuck (laughs) oh i felt i felt like um at least the way the comic portrayed it was a little more palatable like i didn't have as much of a like like a sour taste in my mouth reading the the comic version that i did the novel uh but it was still just like i don't know man all this build-up and it was like an anti-climax almost yeah i don't know but um i I feel like the epilogue (laughs) yeah the epilogue like Maybe it was a good thing I didn't read it, because then I got to experience the, the comic version. Uh, but, like, it did exactly what I wanted, which is, like, follow up with these uh, other characters that, like, I cared about. Like, the, the second chairman? I forgot his name. Uh, Wu Jin Chul. Yes, Wu Jin Chul. Jin Chul. He, he was, like, the, the second in command to Go Gun He. And, um, now he's he, a beat cop. Now he's a beat-up cop. <laughs> because hunters hunters don't exist anymore in this universe, or this timeline. And Jinwoo is now a high schooler on the track team. 
<laughs> and uh, Cha Hyun is also on the track team, which is why Jin Woo is on the track team, so he can get back to her and meet her in this new timeline. Honestly, um, that was very bold. <laughs> yeah, that is very bold, and and it works apparently. But uh, well, also we talked about. I think it was. Forgive me if I mess up her name. It was uh, Jihu or Juhi, the, the healer at the beginning. Um, yes, yeah, so, so she is now like working at a hospital, but yeah. he doesn't talk to her at all, and they don't rec- like she doesn't recognize him. But I also think it's very um, soothing that there's like these moments where people are like, "Have I met you before?" And if he has a choice to give them their me- like their memories of him back and what happened. And I think he does a really good job with that for both Wu Jin Chul and uh, Chairman Go uh, Gun He, as far as like giving them those memories and allowing them to share that moment with him. Yeah, I, I, honestly, that's the carth- the the catharsis that I needed. Um, I needed like these characters acknowledging the fact that like yeah, Jin Wu, you fucking did that. <laughs> yes, you did it. Thank you, and also. Damn it, that was so fucked up. Yes. But also, like, I, I really like some of the different choices that they make throughout the epilogue. Um, firstly, mm-hmm. now, as after it, like, ages up, uh, Jin Woo, he's no longer a high schooler. He is married to Hunter, or no longer Hunter, but Chai Hayen. And uh, he's his own, like, beat cop working under Wu Jin Chul. And he's a very successful cop because he uses his shadows that he still has. And, like, at the very beginning, I mentioned there's a case where he works. There's a girl who commits suicide. And that's due to some abuse from a a stepfather. And I I think the way that they handled that and him arising her, her spirit, it's very satisfying and resolving a crime that happened to her that nobody understood. But at the same time, he also made it sound like it was a homicide instead. So I, I was a little torn on how he resolved that in the end, but I was glad that the truth came out about that particular case and how he handles his cases with his shadows. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, like, it's very good. I feel like if you read the series and you you had some kind of, like, disappointment or maybe expectations that weren't met by the the actual ending the epilogue does a great job of like recontextualizing everything and like or like just continuing um picking up where exactly where it left off and seeing like what happens after like yeah like whenever uh jin woo like physically touches people who uh were like i guess shared important memories with him uh they get to like recall what happened in the other timeline and like seeing that happen and getting their emotional reactions on screen is like, I love that. Cause uh, like I said, it brings catharsis. It also, it allows people to, to grieve, to like process uh, exactly like what they went through. And if, because like up to that point, it just felt like everything got erased and like almost like, um, like there were no consequences. Uh, people couldn't feel the weight of uh, the decisions that were made uh, because of the end of the series. And, like, now it's like, oh, no, people actually get to completely understand what happened and, like, talk about it. Like, that's... I feel like that's what I needed the most out of it. Um, I, I needed people, like, understanding exactly what he did so that his decisions feel like it actually had weight behind it. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that the, the epilogue also um, has a couple other interesting points. Um, for example, there's a, a single like one-shot chapter about the monarch of dragons, and he somehow ends up in the like the beginning of the story, Jin Wu's body. And like he is getting chastised for being late and he is so upset about this that he's just like, I can't, I can't take this embarrassment. What do you mean I'm late? And he just like appears all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's such a like a comical just like side note. But it's it's a way to just kind of like provide that comic relief for a villain that was around for quite a while in the main story. But the bigger point of the the epilogue is a setup for the spinoff. Um so the spinoff that got announced for Solo Leveling, and I think it started now, is Solo Leveling Ragnarok. And that's all about Jinwu and... Uh... Suho? Yeah, it was about Suho, but I was trying to recall her name. Uh, Cha Hae-in. Oh, like, Hae-in, yeah. Their, their child together, which is Suho. And he has... He's like the little monarch, according to the Shadow Soldiers. I love that and, um, He has the ability to fly. And has somehow inherited some of Jin Wu's powers. But it, it shows him like growing up as a teenager and then later into high school. And as he's growing into these powers and becoming a, a little monarch of his own, um, it kind of undo like undoes some of the the parts that were taken away at the end of the story, like the the idea of monsters and gates and all these dungeons, because he gets sucked into one himself as a teenager now. And his his memories are taken from him by Jin Wu, so he won't remember that he can fly or have all these abilities or the shadow soldiers. But now he has an opportunity to be in the system and level up himself. And he has a, a little phrase that he says, like, knives are cliche, men fight with their fists, and he becomes a brawler instead of a knife wielder. That's yeah, really amusing. <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that he he's like a... He uses uh, gauntlets and fists and shit to, to fight. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting um, where Solo Leveling Ragnarok is going to go. Uh, Chugong, who wrote the original Solo Leveling story, is also writing the spinoff. So hopefully it'll be good. Um, we, we don't really know yet uh, beyond what has been kind of shown in epilogue chapters about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the it's very interesting to see where it goes. Uh, a lot of people are really worried about whether it's going to be similar to like a Naruto, the, the Boruto situation. Um, but I, I don't see it quite ending up that way. I think it, I think it'll be better than that. And I think that the, there was like a quote in chapter 191 that kind of set this up that I loved so much, which was everything has a beginning arises from that end. And like arise is such a powerful world throughout the series because of the shadow soldiers but yeah that, that's the, that's the phrase he the, uses to yeah. we didn't say that that's the phrase he uses to uh resurrect shadows basically from uh dead corpses yes and like to use that in that quote as like the end of the story but a beginning of a new one it it felt so good to me yeah it's really satisfying and like i i like what they did too with like the reason uh suho's powers were sealed was because um like he inherited like his mana and like uh, like aura basically from like uh, his father, but he could he was like unaware of it and couldn't control it, and to the point where like other kids were like terrified of him, even though like he's just like a normal normal like three year old five year old or whatever, um, because they had like 
I think like kids have like heightened senses basically to to like the paranormal and shit. Uh, at least that's usually how it goes. And um, and yeah, he was like befriending all the shadow soldiers like Beru, um, Ignis, Igris, and uh, everyone else. And like now, with the way that uh, uh, Suho now has like the the system uh, unlocked uh, to like get stronger and stuff, I took that as like, oh, um, either Jinwoo or like, I don't know, is is the architect a shadow or not? Um, maybe he is, but no, like the, the architect was a puppet. A puppet. Okay, they did something with like, I feel like the the whole reason that uh Suho is going through this now and basically he's just fighting all the uh, all the shadow soldiers uh that jinwoo has in order of like how he recruited them is so that he gets used to his powers and like maybe there won't be like an immediate threat that he has to face but it's so that um he can like inherit his legacy without um basically like suho is like he's going through the doldrums and he's like he feels that there's something off with his life um he realizes that uh there's something missing like uh he's just bored and like he's strong but like there's something missing and it, it something about his life doesn't add up uh and yeah it's the fact that his powers are sealed and like he there's there's like a whole side of him that he isn't really aware of because of that and being able to like control his powers unlock that for him and it also it, it's part of like accepting yourself and like it's, it's like another coming of age thing um I feel like. Oh no, you're fine. I think uh, I I agree with what you're saying. It's it's a good restart using Suho, and it the way that he inherits his powers and the way that he's rediscovering it is is very interesting. And I think that they do a good job of tying it back to original characters as well. Um, for example, when he's going through and start initially leveling up, he comes across the different commanders. And mm-hmm. so like he faces Ignis in the first double dungeon and just like dies immediately. And he's like, okay, that's not going to work. I need to try something else. And so they like, the system is working under Jinwoo now and it's, it's testing him and making him level up and learn how to be a shadow monarch and how to fight on his own. And he like, but when he fights Beru, he's Beru's just like a sobbing mess because he remembers spending so much time with him as a kid, but Suho doesn't, and it's it's a very like satisfying moment, but also very sad, like very sad for Beru at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, um, this epilogue did a lot. It did it did a lot of hard carrying for for me in terms of like accepting accepting the ending as like. Uh, just like the way it was executed, because like I don't, I don't have anything like overtly against the the ending. Um, like I said, I think it's old, but without um, this focus on the side characters and uh, just leaving it at like uh, Jin hitting like a hard reset, that just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, yes, and, and this completely just like this uh, corrected it. I I agree. I absolutely would have been devastated not recommended this to anyone if there hadn't been an epilogue right yeah i'm glad we got to to sort that out because uh now we could talk about it <laughs> we <laughs> yes. could we could uh we could talk about it on this podcast and uh i'm sure that there are plenty of you who ha- might have like different feelings or maybe maybe went through the same thing but uh 
yeah, I, I would love to to hear anyone else's thoughts on this because, um, like I said, I don't really have that many people to talk to about these types of comics, and uh, yeah, this is exactly why we why we started this. I think it's a good time to start um, signing off. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is is there anything that you want to plug, uh, Amber? Um, not particularly. I mean, I know that if anyone's trying to reach me to talk about Manwa, you can reach me on any of my social channels under ARG Bombshell or ARG Bombshell. Um, and I'm sure, Marion, you have ways that people can reach you as well. Yeah. Um, I have a personal Twitter at MicroWavy, use it before the V. And uh, on my about there, I have like a link with all my other projects. Um, I have other podcasts. Uh, sometimes I talk about manga. Sometimes I write about it. I write for Tsunami Faithful, Comics Beat. I have a personal blog too. You can find that all on tsunamifaithful.com, um, comicsbeat.com, and heavensdoornop.wordpress.com. And uh, yeah, uh, if you want to find uh, more episodes as they come out of uh, Soju Want to Read Manhua, uh, you can follow our socials. I made a Twitter account um, at Soju Manhua Pod, and uh, we have an email. If you want to email us suggestions or maybe write a more long form comment or question, that's at uh, so do you want to read manhua at gmail.com. And uh, please send us in your questions and comments and feedback so we can improve and get better as we go. Of course. Yeah. And, um, and recommendations, of course. <laughs> yeah. And totally. Um, we're definitely open to that. We're both omnivores. And we, we read all kinds of stuff. So, of course. We're definitely open to it. And yeah, uh, you can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Just do us a favor. If you like this, give us a rating, a like, or a share, whatever. And uh, spread the word, because uh, we're new in town. <laughs> yeah, we're new in town. There's not a lot of people talking specifically about Manwa, and we're here for it. So, so do you want to read Manwa? We do. Let's we do. <laughs> God, I, oh, I wait, wait, no, before I we leave, we have one more thing to do. Oh, what is it? We have oh, a scale. Yeah, we have to rate this. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot. I came up with this ingenious rating <laughs> system. Um, Hold on, I have to scroll back up to, to see. What yes, it's, it's a ways back. I don't remember the exact terms we used. All right, all right, all right. All right. So, on a scale of Vivim Flop to Bulgoki. What what would you rate this series? I, honestly, I think it's clear. This is a bulgoki. <laughs> this is absolutely a bulgoki. <laughs> God, oh, I love that shit. Um, but if there wasn't an epilogue, it would be a bibim flop. Honestly, no. Nah, you know what? I, it would be Jenjang mid. Okay, okay. Just I'll mid. Take it. <laughs> we can't completely <laughs> it was, it. That's that's fair. You know, I I will give you that. I will give you <laughs> the mid. Because the, it doesn't the art is so fantastic, it'll like, carry it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it. <laughs> All right, uh, do us a favor. If you if you like uh, those terms, start using it. <laughs> I'm gonna make this a thing. It's gonna enter the lexicon. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll hashtag it up. Yeah, Bibim I'll, flop a bulgogi, yeah. and I think you said Jajang mid. Yes, Jajang mid. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do this. Yeah. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to us. Um, and we hope you had fun listening to us talk about uh, this awesome series. And we're going to get ready with a bunch more. 
yeah. Uh, look forward to a business proposal next. We did one for the action fans. Now we gotta gotta give it up for romance after, because you know, there's just so much out there, and I love everything. So, so do you want to read Manhua? We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink to that. I'll and drink then, to that too. <laughs> yeah.